Hello, 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 and welcome to the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me always, Garrett Zatlin from thestridereport.com. How's it going, man? Dude, it's going super well. Uh, excited to get going. I know we didn't have any D1 action to kind of go over and discuss this past weekend, but a lot of cool things, calls, projections, and uh, conference previews coming up. So we've got a lot of cover today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the site has been chock full of uh, content. So if you guys haven't been on the site for a few days, go check that out. A lot of good stuff has been put up there the last few days. Um, but let's just jump right in. We'll start with our uh, Apple uh, five-star podcast review. Um, this week's one is titled Dream Podcast. Awesome podcast. It's clear you guys do your research. I've never heard anyone as knowledgeable as you two about cross country. This is a dream podcast. What are your thoughts on the Weber State men? And uh, we'll get to that um, later in our mailbag, but appreciate uh, the kind words. Uh, we'll try to keep uh, keep up the good content and live up to this uh, really nice review. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my mom said that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, but I... I yeah, figured... I actually submitted it myself <laughs> and, you know, associated with Weber State. But no, no, yeah, we'll, we'll answer that a little bit later on in the podcast. All right. Yeah. Well, you brought up the uh, Colos projections that just went live on the site, Garrett. Um, just why don't we why don't we talk about those real quickly? Um, a few surprises um, on the men's and women's side uh, coming from those Colos projections on the men's side. Uh, surprising to see Stony Brook in there, uh, the last team in. And then also Gonzaga, maybe a little bit of surprise to some people on the women's side, though. Butler in, Boston College in, and Virginia Tech in. Um, were those the things that stood out to you, Garrett, when you were looking at those Colossus projections coming off? Yep, absolutely. I think Gonzaga, at least on the men's side, I don't know how super surprising that was, but you know they're kind of first showing that Joe Piani wasn't great, so they rebounded well at Nuttycomb. I think Stony Brook was really the big one. Um, we knew they had done well at Beantown, but didn't really know if that was going to be enough to, to at least come back and, and save their season, so to speak. Um, but but it looks like you know there, there's a few projections and things that are going to have to swing their way, um, and then the women's side. I think Virginia Tech probably you know was was a good team to probably be on the fringe to get in, uh, but Boston College and Butler those are two other teams where we're like hey we know they're good they're pretty solid they're kind of underrated in these kind of um, you know kind of in these odd kind of in these odd positions of being on the fringe of national qualifying but. There's a few scenarios where, where they get in and um, also a few scenarios where they drop out as well. So looks like this, this scenario that we ran. Uh, thank you to Bo Wagner, by the way, at, at xequals.com. Phenomenal job working with him, and, and he's done a lot of great work helping us put this together. So, um, but, but you kind of run these projections, and there's, there's a few scenarios where you know, they don't all fall through. Yeah, and why don't we go through a few of those scenarios because obviously all these Colossus projections – are based on uh, who gets those two automatic qualifying spots in each region. So if you change that up a little bit, the points can change, who gets in changes. So um, when I was looking at it, uh, a few things that we, we ran through before we started, um, what happens if the Villanova men beat Georgetown and take that uh, second qualifying spot out of the uh, mid-Atlantic region? So um, if that happens then Virginia Tech actually takes the last uh, qualifying spot, at-large qualifying spot, instead of Stony Brook, which uh, makes uh, the Hokies probably um, Villanova's biggest fans. Uh, additionally, um, another thing that we uh, ran through was 
what happens if Florida State men beat MTSU, excuse me, in the South region and take that at-large bid. What happens is Virginia Tech and Virginia actually both get in the at-large spots while MTSU and Stony Brook get kicked out. So if you're Stony Brook, you want things to stay the same, right, Garrett? Yeah, if you're Stony Brook, you want you are going to be Georgetown's biggest fan right now because Georgetown's really going to well, Georgetown and I think Middle Tennessee as well, and maybe we'll touch on that in a little bit of a moment. Um, but Georgetown and Middle Tennessee, those are two teams that you really want to root for hard if you're Stony Brook. Um, it also just depends on on how some of the other Southeast region plays out. There's just a lot of factors that go into there, and you know that that entire Southeast region on the men's side could could completely flip around. Absolutely, and so like you said, the last one we ran through um, involved the Villanova men and the Florida State men taking those uh, automatic spots. And if that happens, then the Southeast region brings in a lot of teams. Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Furman all get in, while Gonzaga, MTSU, and Stony Brook get left out in the cold. That uh, scenario, which isn't that unlikely, I think Florida State and Villanova definitely have good chances, then that could completely change up um the way things are set up right now which is a super fascinating example of how one uh one region can affect many others yeah no uh, it was it was it's it's real quick just to just to make a note on that um gonzaga right now if, if that's the case gonzaga then has to be rooting um for uh either i i think if if we if we read this correctly they can have villanova get in into a top two spot but not florida state and then vice versa they can have mtsu get in um and then not villanova but this is kind of a, an area of of sensitivity for gonzaga in terms of the national qualifying they want to be rooting against either villanova men or florida state um so they have a, a few teams to be cheering for and against in, in the coming weeks and Furman conversely rooting for both of those teams exactly uh to get in um on the women's side um, a few scenarios that we looked at, uh, the first one being the Georgia Tech women taking the second automatic qualifying spot in the South, e- South region from the Ole Miss women. In that scenario, Ole Miss still qualifies, but Butler gets knocked out. And then in another scenario, if the Penn women beat the Georgetown women in the Mid-Atlantic region for that second automatic qualifying spot, then Georgetown still gets in. But Butler, again, gets knocked out. So Butler women are on some loose footing at the moment and will certainly, like uh, um, like some other teams on the men's side, not really want things to change much. Yeah, I mean, the thing with, with Butler right now is that we have them in for our current projections right now. But And, and by the way, after all these, we still have conference weekend to go through. So a ton of things can change, especially on the men's side when you're looking at that southeast region. But in terms of the uh, in terms of the women for, for Butler, there are a lot more scenarios where they don't get in than when they do. And this one that we crafted was just so specific to them where it actually favored them perfectly. And actually, I mean, it, going into the Big East region, though, for them, if they or not region, excuse me, Big East conference meet, they could actually help themselves out by maybe knocking off a Villanova or a Georgetown um, and maybe putting themselves in a little bit better position in terms of cold loss points. Like you said, there's still plenty of action still to go. Exactly. Um, but yeah, let's, why don't we just jump right into the conference uh, preview? So 
this weekend coming up we got plenty of action every uh, d1 conference has their meet this weekend um why don't we start with the acc on the men's side uh garrett why don't you give me your top three and uh maybe an underdog pick to be able to get into that top three man i, I mean i think the traditional powers of notre dame of nc state i think those two teams look pretty look like pretty strong contenders to finish in that top two uh top three i i, I want to say syracuse but if they don't have aiden tooker i don't know how i feel about that um i, I don't know if i can if their youth on the back end of the championship setting will will be able to thrive well enough so we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes um i think i, I like probably florida state a little bit more than virginia tech at this point to secure that top three spot but but i'll take um you know virginia tech as my quote-unquote sleeper if, if i'm allowed to do that yeah i think i'll go notre dame one nc state two although uh if they aren't fully healthy then that obviously will drop them back a few spots but for now i'll put them at two i think I think Notre Dame might surprise us a little bit. Um, and then I'm going to put Florida State three. And if you can count Syracuse uh, as a sleeper, then I will take them. Um, in terms of your confidence rating, uh, Garrett, for your top, for your the, the champion, how from maybe a scale of one to ten, how are you feeling? I, I'm going to put myself at a, a solid three for the Irish because I don't feel great about them, but I also don't feel really strongly about anybody else in the conference. Yeah, I'm also taking the Irish to win it, um, but more because I don't really feel that great. Um, NC State, I don't feel great about. Syracuse, I don't feel great about right now. I think Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State are all strong contenders, but I don't think they're going to be good enough to beat Notre Dame. Um, I'm, I'm going to put around like a 4 out of 10. I don't know how confident I feel about them going into the postseason. Um, you know, they'll make nationals and, and they'll be fine, and I think they'll contend in the ACC, but that's only more because the rest of the ACC looks to be uh, kind of reeling back in terms of possible injuries or just, you know, certain guys we haven't seen or, or certain performances that haven't been put together well. Which is surprising because normally we see an ACC team go on and finish in the top 10 at NCAAs traditionally. So to have us both at a three and a four for their Notre Dame's chances moving forward is uh, a little bit of a dip for the ACC. I'm sure they'll be back next year, but this year maybe not as strong as we may have predicted at the beginning of the season. Let's move on to the women. On the women's side, the top three is pretty hard to choose. I'll let you go first, Garrett, and then maybe I'll uh, take a cue from what you say. Yeah, I really like NC State. I just think they're the better team in this field. I think I'm going to easily take them uh, to take the win here. Um, after that, it kind of gets a little up and down. I'll take Notre Dame as my number two. I know I take that back. I lied. I'm going Florida State, number two, Notre Dame, uh, number three. And if I had to take a sleeper pick, I like Boston College. I, I think they're just well-rounded, well put together. They had a pretty decent showing at uh, at the Beantown meet uh, at the very beginning of the season. But uh, I want to go with those three in Boston College as my sleeper. I'm going to have a very similar top three. I'm going to go NC State 1, Florida State 2. I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset pick and go with Virginia Tech. Um, I do like Boston College as a sleeper pick, though. I think um, as the Colas points projection um, shows, they have had a pretty solid season so far, um, but haven't gotten a ton of credit for that yet. 
And if I'm going to give a confidence rating, I really like this NC State team. And we'll talk about them more as regionals comes and as NCAA gets closer. But I think this team, I'm feeling pretty strong about the, their podium chances. So give me an 8 out of 10 uh, for confidence rating for the NC State women. Yeah, I like 8 out of 10. That's probably exactly where I'm going. The only reason they're not a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 is mainly just because you know, there's kind of questions on whether or not they can still get on the podium. And, and there's some youth that's really kind of keeping together the middle portion of their lineup. So only in a, you know, only the reason the, that's really the only reason why I'm, I'm putting them at an eight out of 10, but uh, a lot, a lot to like here about NC state. Absolutely. Ellie Hannah's up front. They do have some freshmen that have been productive for them. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform at their first ACC meet. Um, but regardless, I think they should be able to take home the title. Um, let's move on to the Big Ten, Garrett. Looking at the men's side, I think there's four teams that really have separated themselves out from the rest. Um, Purdue, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan. If I had to rank them, I think I'm going Purdue 1. I'll take Indiana 2. And I'm going to go Michigan 3. I think their depth is just going to be able to edge out Wisconsin, even though Wisconsin as probably the better, the best front runner out of that uh, group with Oliver Hoare. I think Michigan's depth is going to be able to prevail. And up front with Purdue, their top three has been so solid all year that I think they're going to be able to do just enough. It's going to be really, really close, but I think they're going to be able to pull off the Big Ten win. I think this is the field, generally speaking, at least within the top 30, 40 spots. Um, that's kind of where the race is going to be made. I think this field at the Big Ten Championship is going to be decided by the firepower that a team has, and that's why I think Purdue and Indiana will do well. Um, but Michigan just doesn't have that front runner that I would really like to see. Um, so, you know, kind of something that we're kind of gauging and trying to figure out there. But I'll go Purdue, Indiana, and Wisconsin in that order. And as far as my confidence for Purdue going forward, I think they're a top 10 team, and I think they've proven that over and over again at uh, John McNichols. Um, they they started out the season really strong, um, performing well, and then performing well again at Nuttycomb with their sixth-place performance. Uh, their front three, like I said, Carpenter, uh, Eckstein, and Smith have all been really good all year, and I, I'm going to give them a, probably a seven. I think they can be in the top seven or eight uh at nationals and i think this it's i think it'll be important though for them to keep this momentum going uh losing to one of these teams even though they're they are very solid teams would be a little bit of a disheartening performance for a team that has run well this this well so far yeah i i really do like purdue a lot i've been really high on them since the very beginning of the season in the preseason i'm also going to give them a seven out of ten in terms of my confidence rating right now um, I really like their top three, but we see a lot of signs of what happened last year. They're doing really, really well in the regular season, uh, and then kind of into that postseason, they had a really disappointing performance at Nationals. Uh, I do have questions about a little bit of their back-end uh, portion of their lineup this year, but I do think I'm being a little bit ticky-tacky. I think throughout so far this season, we really haven't been you know, given too much to be concerned about, so I'll give them some that, uh, 7 out of 10 confidence. Now, moving to what is probably the deepest region um, in the country, the Big deepest Ten conference. women. Or, yeah, sorry, Big Ten Conference. <laughs> I do, too. Don't worry. Um, 
the Big Ten Conference for the women's side is unbelievably stacked. Eight teams in the projected uh, to go to NCAA's based off the co-loss projections it is super hard to pick. I think there's a few clear front runners, but the teams that are around that three, four, five range seem almost interchangeable. Who do you have, Garrett? I've got Wisconsin at number one. I'll take Michigan State number two, and I'll take Michigan number three. I know that's going to maybe surprise a few people. Uh, I think a lot of people really like Michigan this year, but I, I don't think I do. I think this is another scenario where in an incredibly deep field, you're going to have to find an edge. And and the difference between this field and the men's field is that that, that you need firepower just to be – just to – uh, I don't know, but to stay competitive, but in the women's field, you need firepower just to stand out. Um, so I, I'm going to take Wisconsin because I love their top four. They're complete through four, and I don't think that their number five is going to be as big of an issue as maybe some people think it's going to be. Michigan State, they have a complete lineup as well with some firepower. They're going to close off the, their five scoring pretty quick. In Michigan, I do like all the pieces. They're reliable. They're consistent. Erica Venderland is a strong front runner, but there's just too many pieces where I'm like, wow, it would have been nice if they had Camille Devray or uh, Anna Forsyth or if Anna West was returning to her 2017 form where she was an All-American. So I'm going to take Wisconsin, Michigan State, Michigan, but I don't feel super confident about that uh, just given the way this race is probably going to play out. Is there a sleeper team that you have in mind for maybe someone who could crash that top three? That top three is really, really good, but I think there's probably one or two teams that on the right day could get there. I, I like Ohio State. I think they're they're quietly very strong. Um, I think Abby Nichols and Julia Rizik, and there's just a few other pieces throughout there. They've got a really strong team, and um, you know, I think you could say the same thing about Illinois, but I, I kind of like Ohio State where they're at. I think they've got some really strong experience. Um, I'll give Ohio State my sleeper pick. Yeah, I think for my sleeper pick, I'm going to go with Illinois. Uh, their performance at pre-nationals, sixth place performance uh, right behind Florida State, a ways off from Michigan. But I do wonder in a smaller field compared to pre-nationals if the effect of Erica Vanderland is going to, or that she's going to have the same effect that she did at pre-nationals being that strong low stick. I think Illinois could put a pretty good pack leading um, or with Rebecca Craddock, excuse me, leading the way. I think they could be an interesting team to watch, but like you, I have a, the same teams in my top three, but unlike you, I think I'm going to go with Michigan state one, Wisconsin two, Michigan three, I did really like that Michigan State performance um, last weekend. I thought they ran really, really well at Nuttycomb. Fifth place performance, only two points behind Wisconsin. And I think the effect of having someone like Alicia Monson, like I mentioned kind of with uh, Michigan, I think having a low stick in a smaller meet, if you have the quality um, like Michigan State does, um, I think that gap is going to be a lot smaller when you're looking at a 12-point gap between Alicia Monson and Annie Fuller at uh, Nuttycomb, that's not going to be 12 points at uh, Big Tens. That's going to be a lot tighter. And I think that might be the little bit of an edge that Wisconsin had at Nuttycomb that they're not going to have at Big Tens, and that's going to be the difference for the Spartans. Yeah, that's a good point. I do. I would not at all be surprised 
if Michigan State won. I'd be a little surprised if Michigan won, just a little bit. But um, no, I, I think that's probably a, a totally fair uh, assessment. So, but what about in terms of your confidence? Where were you at with the with the Michigan State women? You see, this this is hard for me too because I I really have kind of championed Wisconsin a little bit uh, in terms of their NCAA chances because I think they're just one decent performance from their fifth runner away from being like a top five team. I don't think Michigan State necessarily has that same kind of potential. I think they're a top 10 team, but I don't think they have the ability to get into that top six even. So I'm going to give them probably a seven, maybe a six. I'll, I'll give them a six just because I don't feel uh, in the bigger field. I do worry about Annie Fuller being that super great low stick for them um, that you kind of need to be in that top six or seven uh, at NCAAs. So why don't I'll give I'll give Michigan State a six, actually. Michigan State is six. I would have probably given them a seven. Um, I, I think I'm also going to go give Wisconsin. Um, yeah, I'm going to give them a seven, and I think it's it's more because of that that depth and the questionable back end. You know, and um, I actually really like Alexa Wesley on that number five spot, the the true freshman there who's uh, scoring them uh, for their their fifth scoring position. Um, I, I think she's actually really solid, and I think the results from Nuttycomb Oh, people are going to see the gap. It's like, well, you know, I, I think it's hard to fault a true freshman for still stepping up and then getting a top 100 spot at probably the the biggest and best meet in the country, at least in the regular season. So um, I, I do think there's questions on the back end. I don't totally dislike the lineup. I'm going to go Wisconsin at a 7 out of 10 in terms of my confidence uh, head, heading into the postseason. Yeah, and if Wesley can – replicate that performance even kind of like that top 100 top 120 at ncaa's then i think wisconsin with their top four led by monson and uh amy davis i think that's a pretty pretty good team that really could su- surprise some people with a top five finish but again it's it's gonna it's asking a lot for a true freshman um to perform that well as your fifth runner right fair enough yeah we'll see though uh, let's move on to the Big 12. On the men's side, there are probably three teams uh, in the mix for the top three spots. I don't really see anybody crashing that party. The order that I have is Iowa State 1, Oklahoma State 2, and Texas 3. Um, I don't really see any sleeper picks, unfortunately, although if Oklahoma State doesn't run everybody then maybe they could drop back. But uh, what do you have, Garrett? Yeah, I'm going to take in the Big 12, I'll take Iowa State uh, take Iowa State 1, Texas 2. And actually, yeah, you know what? I take that back. I'm going to go Iowa State 1, Oklahoma State 2. I do think they're going to run their full lineup. I do think we're going to see their, their top group in Texas at 3. But the one team that I don't think um, is going to get enough Reddit maybe or get enough attention. Um, I think that's probably going to be, gosh, uh, Kansas. <laughs> nah, it, you know what? Never, never mind. It's I'm, tough. I, it's, I, mean, I, I want to find a sleeper pick, and I was like, uh, I was like going through my head. I was like, well, uh, nah, Big Twelve doesn't have anyone. So <laughs> sorry, Big Twelve, but uh, I'm not super confident. I was trying to go through a few of the names here. But. <laughs> hey, valiant effort. Um, I think I have Iowa State at a confidence rating of nine. I really like the Cyclotene, and we've talked about them a few times. I'm probably a little bit higher on them 
than you are just because I believe in their scoring potency to increase as the postseason wears on. I think this is a team that has a realistic shot at finishing even as high as third at NCAAs. If everything goes right, led by Edwin Kurgott, I think Addison DeHaven is going to run like he always does at NCAAs and be an All-American. I could see David too being in that top 50, top 60. And then I really see that backpack of um, Pollard and Greeter. Um, and I'm missing, who, who am I missing from that pack? Um, uh, Chad Johnson? Yes, uh, Chad Johnson. Yeah. Um, and I think they could really uh, surprise some people. It's a little bit of a risky play just because you're relying on unproven guys like David too to get the job done. But I do, for whatever reason, have this irrational confidence in the Cyclones. <laughs> well, you know what? You're allowed to have irrational confidence <laughs> when they when they actually perform well. So <laughs> I don't know how, how irrational that is. I'm also going to take them at a 9 out of 10. I think they're a complete lineup. I think they've got really solid scores up front. Um, I, I think in this field, Oklahoma State, despite having maybe arguably the better low sticks through maybe two or three runners, uh, which has yet to actually be seen altogether. Um, I, I still think in this kind of field, Iowa State's just better through five, and um, that, that's what's going to matter. So I'll take a nine out of ten as well. Absolutely. Looking at the women's side, I think there are a few more teams that could compete. Namely, I think if you add to the three names that we just mentioned, you can add West Virginia in that mix. What order do you have the women's Big 12 championship going as? Yeah, I, I, I struggle with this one a lot. I'm going to take such a ridiculous <laughs> pick here. And some people may, may, may uh, wonder what I'm doing here. I like West Virginia. Woo! I think West Virginia. I know. I'm, I'm going to take West Virginia. And, and I think it's just one of those things where in this field – they're not bad, and I know it, it kind of seems ridiculous, but Texas is really not good this year. Iowa State is really not good this year. Oklahoma State, outside of their top two, really is not good this year. Um, and I just think West Virginia, they don't really have the low stick of Iowa State or Oklahoma State, but they have a pretty decent lineup through five, or at least through four. Um, I, I think there's a few sneaky picks. I think it, wouldn't, it, it shouldn't be a surprise for anyone if they take a top two spot in the mid-Atlantic region, although I still think that would be um, maybe more surprising than not. But I like the Mountaineers a lot. I'm going to go with a big upset pick. I'm taking West Virginia to win the Big 12 title. Um, if there was going to be a year to do it, this was going to be the year. Wow. Um, to follow that up, I'm also going to go Oklahoma State 2 and Iowa State 3. So looking at the Nuttycomb results, West Virginia was 21st. They beat Iowa State, who was 27th. And then looking at Oklahoma State, was 11th at pre-nationals. So maybe West Virginia isn't as surprising as we maybe think. I, Texas hasn't done anything that has really inspired a ton of confidence. I think I'm going to go with a little bit of the safer bet. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State, even though I don't feel great about it. I will join you in the top two West Virginia bandwagon. Let's go Mountaineers. We'll take second, and then Iowa State third. Although, mm, or yeah, yeah, let's go with Iowa State. Um, <laughs> you can feel the confidence just dripping from my voice. Um, so <laughs> with that said, I think I'm going Oklahoma State like two, maybe, maybe one. I don't, I mean, this is a team that 
might not make NCAAs. I think Texas is probably the only one out of this group that actually has a shot just because of where they are regionally. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give them the two. Yeah. West Virginia. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I think closer to gosh, I would say a three. And I actually think they're probably just as good um, as maybe a lot of the mid Atlantic teams, or at least they've maybe proven that at least on some occasions, depending on who you ask. Um, but it's, it's more they, they, there's no certainty with them. We have no idea how good they're going to stack up against a mid-Atlantic region that is relatively deep. It's just a matter of who's going to be the best up top. Um, I don't even know if they're going to make it to nationals. Um, so I think they're kind of a fringe team, and I think there's just so much uncertainty there. Yeah, give me a 3 out of 10 because I don't feel <laughs> great about what their future could hold. The wonders of conference alignment because of football that lead to a mid-Atlantic Midwest and South Central regional foes colliding in one conference. You gotta love the cash that they must be receiving from football because it's certainly <laughs> not necessarily coming in through cross country. Um, let's go on to the Pac-12 though. A little bit different quality that we can probably expect from these Pac-12 teams. On the men's side, it's gonna be a tight, tight race for these top three spots. A top three spot at the Pac-12s this year on the men's side probably means you're at least, at minimum, a top 15 team in the country. I'm going to go with Stanford at one, Colorado at two, and then UCLA at three. Washington just missing the cut. And I think Oregon in this smaller field, and they, they ran better at whether it was because it was at their home course or not at Bill Dillinger, they ran better against a smaller field than they have at these bigger meets. I think they could actually be them, not Washington, could be the team that could edge out UCLA for the third spot. What say you, Garrett? Yeah, I've been debating this kind of back and forth because on one hand, Colorado, it just at least through four runners, is just absolutely loaded. And in this kind of field, that's really going to give them the potency. Meanwhile, Stanford, I think they've probably got, you know, with, with Osberg and Ratcliffe, a really dangerous one too. In the back of my mind, I keep thinking, well, Parsons and Faye can't keep struggling for the entire season, right? Um, right. <laughs> so, right, I keep telling myself that, right? Right, and I keep waiting for someone to say right, and just I don't hear it. Um, I, I think I'm going to take Colorado at one. I'm going to take Colorado at one in a, in a minor upset over Stanford, Stanford number two, and I think I'm going to take UCLA at number three. I, 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 we've doubted them too long. I've overestimated them for too long. They've got the, a really lethal scoring trio here. They're experienced. Um, I, I just have no reason to doubt them. Washington hasn't inspired any confidence. There's been uh, maybe some injury rumors around Oregon, so I'm going to hold off on them for now. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to go with Colorado, Stanford, and Washington there. Uh I'm sorry, Colorado, Stanford, and UCLA as my, as my top three there. It's so hard not to say Washington after all that they've built, not what we right. thought they would be at the beginning of the season, I understand. And maybe they're just, this is a long con. They were just trying to throw us off the scent this whole year and then are going to come out and destroy the field at Pac-12s. Um, that would be very surprising, but in this sport, you never know. I think Colorado is a good, good bet to win the title if it's not going to be Stanford. I, like you, just have this continuing faith in Fahey and Parsons that they're going to figure it out. 
and maybe that's going to be the problem with my predictions from here on out but i just think that they're gonna they're two talented of runners and they are proven and experienced guys that know how to do it when it matters i think they're going to be able to figure it out um i'm going to give them a confidence rating of a nine going into uh the postseason i don't feel super great about uh them winning the pack 12s necessarily i do think colorado has a really good chance but i do feel good about stanford's podium chances and even a run, as a runner-up uh, behind NAU at NCAAs. Yeah, no, and I think that's totally fair. I'm, I'm also thinking it probably was it was a nine for Stanford. For Colorado, I'm going to take them at an eight. Um, I think I, I like their experience with Clicker and Herrera and Dressel, but their their back end is still extremely young. Uh, and when you have a lot of young, unproven talent, well, I wouldn't say unproven, but when you have a lot of young talent who's still inexperienced on the championship stage – that's not great. And I still think there's questions as to their number five spot. I'm going to give them an eight out of 10. They've got the Wetmore factor with them though. And it's hard to, to discount that. So I'll give them eight out of 10 of my confidence. Yeah, I think that's uh, a pretty good fair ranking for them. Moving on to the women for the PAC 12 conference. Again, a loaded, loaded field. I could see this going in, 10 different directions. Um, I think there's a multitude of scenarios that could go on. How do you see this playing out this weekend? <sighs> I I mean, I. it's so tough. It's so, so tough. I think it's going to come down to Stanford and Washington for the win. I... I want to, I think after pre-nats, I think I almost like Washington's total top five in completion, especially when you add in Melanie Smart. But Stanford's a hard one. I like Stanford just because they're more consistent. They have more upside. They have a lot of depth. They just showed out at Nutty Comb. I think they're a safe pick, a good pick. It would be surprising not to pick them. I'm going to take Stanford at one, Washington in a very, very, very close two, and I'm actually going to take Utah. I'll take Ooh, Utah. Darn it! At that three. was going to be my surprise pick. Darn it! Right. I think I think everyone is kind of in that back and forth of saying, we're, we're kind of how good is Utah? And because after they beat Colorado, we thought, ah, maybe this is like a one-time fluke, a one-time thing. And then finishing 11th at Nuttycomb, and everyone's like, oh, we have to overreact. Well, no, Scarlett Dale wasn't in that lineup. And if she was, then you're looking at a possibility where Utah's right around this NC State-Wisconsin kind of group right there. And they're arguably just as good as those teams, at least through five runners. And I think in this kind of field, that's what's going to benefit them. Um, I'll take them there at the number three spot. Oh, man. I I wanted to pick Utah. And now that I, I'm just, <laughs> I can't, I can't pick it against Wetmore two times in a row. So I think I am going to actually go Washington one. I was super impressed wow. by their performance beating BYU. Uh, even without Whitney Orton, that Washington was out without Melanie Smart, as you mentioned. I think Washington uh, is really, really good. I think Lily Burden is only going to get better as the season goes on. She improved significantly um, from, uh, I believe it was Joe Piani. Um, and then when she raced at pre-nationals, much better performance from her. And I think she's only going to be better at Pac-12s. And I think that's going to end up being the edge when you throw in Melanie Smart, Katie Rainsberger, and if uh, Lily Burden can be up there. 
I think they're going to be able to counteract Stanford's talent to top three. The four and five might get a little interesting, but I'm going to uh, put the edge to the Huskies. And then I'm going to go Colorado at three. I hate, I, I really do like Utah, but but I just hate picking against Wetmore for this third spot. I think he's going to figure it out. I think the their back end's going to be just good enough when we're looking at uh, the smaller kind of meat. They're not going to get pushed back as far. I think they're going to do just enough to get by to that third place finish. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fair assessment. Um, I think it just kind of goes to show that you know the the historical powerhouses are probably going to dominate. Although let's talk about Oregon real quick. I mean, Oregon just did not have a great showing at Nutty Comb. And I think we're just kind of left here wondering, like, hmm, eh, probably not going to be even a top four team this year. No, Oregon and Oregon State have just been a little underwhelming this year. I I think we both we we thought that both teams would be solid top twenty five teams. Oregon even a top ten team. Neither have really inspired much confidence, and I, yeah, I, I can't see either of those teams breaking into that top four. Um, I think Utah and Colorado are going to be duking it out for that third spot, but I think it's going to be a big gap from fourth to fifth. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I am surprised about Oregon State. I thought they, I thought they just had a great roster through and through, and I'm not going to completely count them out um, yet, but um, it's going to be tough for them to make the national meet this year, so. Um, do you want to move on to the SEC? Um, well, how do you feel? What are your confidence rating on? Uh, oh, that's right. We got to do that <laughs> for uh, Stanford. Yeah, we got to do that. All right, uh, Stanford. I'm going to take a nine out of ten. I I just don't have any issues with them whatsoever. Um, yeah, dare I say a ten out of ten? Ooh. I, 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 I know I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking about it, but I'll, I'll probably go with a nine out of ten just because I I don't know how their low sticks will match up with. Washington's low sticks, but I'll go nine out of ten. No, no issues here. I think they're right now. They've proven themselves to be the second best team in the country behind Arkansas. Yeah, I'm gonna follow you with nine out of ten for Washington. I really like this team, and I think they could be uh, almost a lock to be a top four team come NCAA's. Um, but yeah, now let's get to that SEC meet, Garrett. On the men's side, I think there. I was kind of starting the writing up of the uh, preview on the SEC side. And it's it's an interesting conference this year. Traditionally, Ole Miss and Arkansas have battled it out with Alabama kind of flirting with those top two spots every once in a while. But this year, there is a huge gap in between Ole Miss and the rest of the field on the men's side. They are way better than everyone else. I think Arkansas hasn't shown a whole lot. Alabama, we haven't seen them run all together yet. But I think if they do run everybody, if there's Keegan, Kiprop, and Rotich, I think you could put they have enough at the four and five spot. Brynjark has run a little bit better. I think they're going to actually be able to pull off the upset of, of Arkansas. So give me Ole Miss one, Alabama two, Arkansas three. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Ole Miss. I, I think that's probably the clear favorite pick here. It, it would be surprising if, if we didn't take them. I'm going to take Alabama at number two because we saw that Noel Rotish is coming back. J.P. Brynjark, we, we've seen him run at least better in the postseason. I think he was a, a top 30 finisher in the South region last year. I, I'm going to take Alabama at number two. I still have questions, of course, about their back end. 
Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. And then I think Arkansas is probably that safe pick at number three. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. But if I'm going to take a sleeper team this year, I, I kind of like Missouri, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Um, I, I saw their race at the Commodore Classic, and I, it's not that they're – I think I just individually like their pieces a lot. And I, I, I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't be super surprised if they ended up somehow sneaking in for like a, like a fifth-place finish, let's say. Um, I, I, I think that's – I think they're a pretty strong and respectable team individually speaking uh they were fifth at commodore classic um so i i don't completely dislike them i'm gonna take missouri as my sleeper team i would feel better about picking missouri but i i do worry kieran wood who has led the team either him or thomas george throughout uh the entirety of the season he did not race in their last uh competition so without him i i struggle to have put them as a sleeper pick it's, it's tough for me to, to pick a sleeper team. Florida, Tennessee haven't looked great. Texas A&M actually had a pretty decent race at uh, Arturo, Bar- Arturo Barrios uh, Invitational. So maybe I, I, I might actually like them to maybe make some noise. But uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a down year, I think, for the SEC on the men's side. I, Agreed. I think Ole Miss, though, I, I feel pretty good about them. Maybe not as strong a performance at pre-nationals as we would have expected after their second-place run at Joe Piani, but I'll give them a 7 uh, for my confidence rating. Yeah, no, I think that's that's about right. I'll probably give them, I, I think, a 7, right? Um, I think they're better um, on the flatter courses, and I think we saw that Joe Piani, but I think their their pre match performance was them showing, yeah, we're still good. You know, we can still compete. We're still gonna, you know, be a, a postseason threat at least at the SEC championships. Um, I, I don't necessarily expect them to be a top ten team at nationals, but I, I think they're I think they're solid and respectable. And I'll give them uh, a seven. So don't don't necessarily know what I'm gonna see from them all the time, but. I think, generally speaking, they've proven that they're at least going to give you something halfway decent. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Looking at the women's side, I think it's actually a pretty similar situation here where we have Arkansas leading the way. They should t- easily take home the title. But I think there will be, I think, and I think Ole Miss will probably be the clear number two. But I think there's going to be an interesting competition for that third and fourth spots. I think there's a lot of teams that could get in there. I think Florida could get in there. I think Georgia, with both the drop sisters running, maybe has a chance. But I think the two that stand out to me are Missouri and Tennessee. Um, Missouri ran a pretty solid race at, um, I believe it was pre-nationals or was it not? Yep. yeah pre-nationals i think it's pre-nationals and um i think i think they could actually be fairly competitive uh even over a tennessee team that i think has gone under the radar a little bit um they haven't run in any uh like big races sorry it was it was at it was, it was Nutty Comb, yeah, wasn't yeah it? i was just looking was at i was looking at that right, right now. i was just looking at it too <laughs> yeah so they were 20th at Nutty Comb, um beating west virginia who we just talked about um in the big 12 uh conference preview i'm gonna go with missouri i think tennessee has a really good chance but give me uh arkansas ole miss and missouri and missouri getting close to ole miss actually wow ole miss okay yeah i am gonna take arkansas obviously as the clear number one um ole miss at number two 
I'm going to take Tennessee. I, I just kind of like them a little bit more through five. Um, I know Missouri had a great performance at Netty Cone. 20th place is uh, pretty solid. I think that was, what, 20th place? Is that where they yes, finished? Sir. 20th, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and, and it's just kind of one of those up up in up in the air years. Um, I, I will take Tennessee, but not at all going to be surprised if, if Missouri sneaks in for the bronze. Uh, as for confidence, I think Arkansas doesn't get the NAU men's 10, but they get a solid 9.8 maybe. <laughs> that's that's fair enough. I was going to say uh, like a 9.2. Uh, <laughs> there's kind of 9 point. Yeah, they're definitely more than 9, but not quite a 10. It's yeah. that, that back end. It's it's what happens and you know without Katrina Robinson and the inconsistencies in all the other years. But put that aside, they have just been killer this year. No one's stopping them. They've got the best top four in the nation. Probably, well, clearly, obviously, the best top five. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, no one's beating <laughs> that. Um, so it's it's just one of those one of those things where, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to find faults. Depth is a little concerning, but if they all just run their race and they run to what we think they can, they're going to be the national champions, no question. Absolutely. Let's do one more conference, Mountain West, on the men's side. Uh, a, probably a pretty good competition between Boise State, Utah State, Air Force, and maybe even Wyoming. Uh, who do you have coming in the top three this year? Um, I, I think Wyoming. We have to take them out of this. Um, unfortunately, they just have not shown us that they can put together uh, at least any kind of respectable performance. And you know, even if their top three do do run well, the back end hasn't really put it together. Um, I'm going to take – wow, I really don't like any of these teams. Uh, <laughs> I just uh, – I, I think I'm, I'm going to take um, Utah State. Give me, Ooh, give me Utah State. Give me Utah State. Um, I'll take them at one. I think they have a better top – I think they just like their top five through and through. And I'll take Boise State at two. I – Air Force, I'm kind of back and forth with. And then I think Wyoming again. I'm like, well, maybe. And this and that and this and that. Yeah, I, I th- uh, <laughs> I'll take Wyoming. I'll, I will take Wyoming at three. I know I just said that we should be, they shouldn't be in consideration, but I totally just lied in now. I'm, I'm backtracking <laughs> on, on what I said. I'll take Wyoming in, in the third spot there. Um, I think in a smaller field like this, where the depth doesn't have as much of an impact and the low sticks do, uh, I'll take Wyoming uh, for the third spot. Yeah, Wyoming. So we actually got to see all four of these teams in action at Nuttycomb. Boise State uh, was the top dog beating Utah State, and then we had Air Force and Wyoming. I think Wyoming is probably a pretty solid pick for third. They were about even through four runners. It was their fifth runner that really hurt them. And uh, if if in this smaller meet they can that gap's a little bit smaller, I think they could probably beat Air Force. So I think I'll go with Wyoming third as well. Actually, I'm gonna go with Boise State one though and Utah State two. Boise State was better than uh, Utah State through uh, each of their top four men. It was their their fifth man that lost them any points to Utah State. And like like I just said, when doing looking at Wyoming and Air Force, that gap isn't gonna be as significant in a smaller meet. So I'm going to go with Boise State. Don't feel super confident in their chances going into NCAAs. I think they are a top 25 team, but I don't know if they're much more than that. 
Um, give me a lukewarm five for them. For for Boise State? Uh, five for Boise State, yes. Five Boise State. Um, I think I'm actually going to take a very lukewarm five as well, <laughs> this time only for Utah State. I think they're solid through five. Um, I don't like their back end. Now, I'm at least not the six or seven, but they're consistent. Um, they've got just a few really solid veterans who are almost always consistent, um, at least on the biggest stages. So, yeah, give me a give me a five. I think they're solid. I don't think they're amazing, and I think they're just going to get the job done, and nothing more than that. So, uh, give me a five for for UC, uh, Utah State. For the women, I think it'll be a race between New Mexico and Boise State for those top two spots. It'll be interesting to see who can get in the take the third spot. How do you see uh, this shaking out for us this year, Garrett? Um, I, I'm liking New Mexico taking the win, and I I think Boise State can make it close, but I think New Mexico is going to be the better team here, mainly because I think this is the race that Ava Cohen comes back. There's been rumors about when she was going to come back, but I think the initial su- suspicion was that she was going to be coming back uh, at the Mountain West Championship. So assuming Ava Cohen returns, I mean you're looking at a you're looking at a race where theoretically. New Mexico could go one, two, three. Truthfully, they could. And I'm, you know, you could talk about, you know, there's there's certain teams like Air Force who have a few, you know, uh, strong individual contenders. You've got, you know, the Boise State women are obviously all very strong, but it's not at all crazy to suggest that New Mexico is going to go one, two, three if Cohen returns. And at that point, their four and five are going to be good enough. So um, I'm going to go New Mexico one. I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take Boise State two, but I could very have easily put the Air Force women um, at two. I'll take Air Force at three. So New Mexico one, Boise State two, Air Force three. Yeah, I completely forgot about the Air Force women um, because, but they <laughs> all raced again at Nuttycomb. Uh, Boise State was seventh, Air Force was eighth, and New Mexico were nine. I think that order gets swapped around a little bit if Adva Cohen gets back, and I think she probably will race. This makes sense for a debut, get her ready before regionals. So let's put New Mexico one. I'm going to stick with Boise State at two, going to keep that same order of them ahead of Air Force like they were at Nuttycomb, and then I'll go Air Force three. I think that's a, a really solid top three. The the contenders for that could maybe get in there utah state and colorado state both were at nuttycomb but both finished significantly behind i don't see anybody breaking into that top three um and for new mexico i i'm not even with advocate cohen i'm not super high on their podium chances so give me a uh, even even if they're like fifth or sixth give me an eight i think that's fair an eight wow okay I was going to maybe go, I think, because all of these, and, and for those who are listening, all of these confidence ratings that we're giving, we're not necessarily saying, of you know, this team's going to be better than the other just because they have a higher score. It's more just, are they going to beat expectations? Are they going to underwhelm on expectations? And how confident do we feel that they're going to, to you know, match what we think they can do, relatively speaking? And this is all just a very general gauge. I think... New Mexico is a team where if Avacolin comes back, the concept and the idea is that New Mexico is a podium team or at least a podium contender. 
but I don't love their four and five options. Um, I I, I kind of go back and forth a lot and you know toss my hands up in the air and just say I, I don't know what to think there. I'm gonna go a six out of ten. Um, I Edna Kurgot hasn't always looked like the low stick we thought she could be. Um, you know, there's maybe on the very very weird off chance that Abacoa doesn't return. Um, I'll take six out of ten for New Mexico, and I just don't. Oh, I can't always look at that team and, and feel super convinced that they're gonna kill it and beat expectations every single time. Yeah, you've convinced me. I'm I'm gonna drop down to a six as well. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I it was probably a little too high. I was I, I may maybe was trying to be a little too optimistic. Um, but let's move on to uh, the mailbag, Garrett. We got plenty of good questions from Instagram again this week. We appreciate you guys sending those in. Keep sending them in, and we'll hopefully try to get to as many as we can each week. So let's start with uh, the question that we had from our Apple Podcast review. What do you guys think of the Weber State men? Weber State is one of those really respectable programs that's unfortunately not going to get the recognition that they deserved this year. They were ninth at pre-nets over what was a very good and very underrated uh, Iowa team. They beat Oklahoma State, albeit not having Smeaton or uh, Hate. They beat Minnesota, and they beat uh, Arkansas. Uh, unfortunately, they're probably not going to make nationals. Um, I, I like their lineup through five runners. I mean, their their first place runner, their first runner across the line was 40th at pre-nats, and then their fifth place runner, their number five runner, excuse me, was 79th. So that's a pretty solid pack. They're very complete, very thorough through five runners. Um, they were only 10 points away from 8th place Villanova. Uh, unfortunately, with the way the Colossus points are going to work out, they're going to have to beat either Utah State or Southern Utah in the Mountain Regional Championships in order to bump themselves in. Maybe if they can beat um, Southern Utah at the Big Sky Championships, maybe you're looking at a possible situation where they can earn a point and, and things get a little bit crazier from there. Um it's just one of those unfortunate years where kind of like Gonzaga last year, I struggled to see a, a call-off qualifying scenario for them, but they're really solid, really underrated, and, and just in a year where it may not work out for them from a, a national qualifying perspective. And if they could have edged out Villanova at pre-Nats and they were only 10 points behind, maybe the that extra call-off point or possible call-off point uh, gets them into the picture because they did beat Oklahoma State, who could be in the who could be a top two team in the Midwest, and then Arkansas, who should qualify. So they they're close, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the Gonzaga par- comparison. Close, but just in an unfortunate circumstance with their region and how deep it is, and how, how frankly how solid the Big Sky conference is as well. Um, no shame in competing hard in a really tough conference, but it is unfortunate that they're probably just going to miss out. Are people overestimating Ryan Smeaton's ability in cross country? Uh, the question, uh, the question also added Fahey has been quite underwhelming so far. I think, I think he's kind of getting at maybe steeplechase champions or steeplechase runner ups like Smeaton was this past year. Um, don't necessarily ha- see that translate in cross country. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, Fahey has been underwhelming so far, but you also have to remember that he was 17th at Nationals back in 2017 before he got injured for the 2018 season. 
He was 59th in 2016. Um, I, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're necessarily overestimating. Um, I, I think we just need Smeaton to be good enough. Um, I don't think it's completely crazy to suggest that an 827 steeplechaser, is that what it was, an 827? Yeah, 828. Um, something like that. Right? He was an, it's sub-830 steeplechaser. I don't think it's absolutely crazy to suggest that a sub-830 steeplechaser could be in the top 40 at Nationals. Now, he hasn't raced this season. <laughs> and now the idea is that he is going to be racing at Big 12 Championships. That was what a, a prior... Um, statement from Dave Smith explained. So I don't know if we're necessarily overestimating. Um, I think based on everything that we've seen, it's fine. Um, Fahey is kind of an interesting I guess, situation in its own right. He has proven himself on the cross-country course. He is a stud. He is a great steeplechaser. I, I just don't know if I would necessarily point at him specifically, just because I think he's a unique case. Yeah, and I think when you think about it, Mason Furlick had, was a very good cross-country runner, also a great steeplechaser back a few years ago. Maybe what we are underestimating is how hard it is to bounce back, in Smeaton's case, after running in Doha um, for Canada in the steeplechase. I think that maybe is what we're um, thinking about. Um, I think he did compete. Am I correct on that, Garrett? <laughs> I'm second-guessing yes. myself. Um, but... I think that may be something that we're forgetting about. Same situation as Adva Cohen. Um, maybe it's just going to be very hard for those two athletes to come back after a really long track season to perform well on the cross-country course. But like you said, we haven't seen Smeaton yet, so we can't really say if we're overestimating or underestimating him yet. Let's talk about the Augusta University at their conference meet uh, D2 team. Garrett, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so uh, great race by Augustana. And I, I know a lot of people maybe try to give our D2 team some some crap a little bit just for, <laughs> you know, having the Sayu Falls kind of, uh, you know, all the way up there. Uh, Augustana, great race. I mean, you look at Aaron Runge taking over the win over Mason Phillips, uh, pulling away by a pretty convincing 12 seconds. Uh, they went 1, 4, 6, 7, 19 for a total score of 37 points. MSU Moorhead, shout out to them. They had a great race. They shattered expectations. They beat expectations for us. They put together a 311-12-18-23 scoring five. And Sayu Falls, who was in third place of 92 points, they went 2-5-14-29-42, that fifth man spot, really where it all came down for them there. Um, but great race by Augustana. They just... They just put it all together. They got a complete top five. They had seven men in the top twenty-six. Um, there, yeah, I mean, it's that's pretty. That's a pretty strong performance. Um, for for what it's worth, Augustana's number seven runner was actually better than Sayu Falls' uh, number four runner. So, uh, just kind of goes to show how that how that plays out there. They uh, they ran a great race, and I, I think you know, I can't say for sure as I don't oversee the rankings specifically for D two, but. I think they'll probably get a little boost up in the rankings after that performance. That is the definition of depth right there. Um, that's that's the uh, definition. There it is. Definition. Yeah. Next up, D2 South Central predictions. We're going to hold off on predictions for now. I, we will get to them. Don't worry. Um, we're going to have our whole D2 team. We're going to have those regional predictions and regional um, previews coming up. So, 
I'm going to let that hold off for now. I'm going to have us digest what we just kind of witnessed at the conference meet right now. Uh, we'll do some updated rankings. I'm sure John is already getting on top of that right now. And then we will, uh, we'll, we'll get back to this. Maybe, maybe we'll do a little something, a little D2 segment uh, next week on the Blue Oval podcast. And, and maybe we'll chat about that a little bit more there. So but I'm going to hold off on that for now. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Who next up? A little bit of a maybe this this must have come from one of our writers. Who do you think will win the TSR Fantasy Basketball League, and who will come last? So, for those of you who don't know, uh, there's a lot of basketball fans. Maybe you've noticed that in our writing uh, here at TSR. So we're going to do a, a fantasy basketball league. I know we're about a week behind in the draft, but we're doing that in like two hours. Uh, we're doing a draft in two hours. Um, I, I'm going to say I don't know who's going to win. But I am going to say that John's probably going to come in last <laughs> because he's going to pick the entire Suns team, and if he and then he'll probably pick DeAndre Ayton, who is already suspended. So um, I, I think that's probably the best reasoning I could think of. Um, so we'll we'll kind of see how that happens. Who who's going to win? Probably me. But I mean, I I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. Well, I, I think the Sixers fans, me and you, will definitely take the top two spots. How that how that finishes out, I'm not sure. Exactly. Um, I, I feel bad piling on to John as a Suns fan. That's already rough. <laughs> like, I mean, he's gone through enough. Although they they just did beat the Clippers last night. So they did beat the Clippers. So that's true. good good for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I am actually gonna go with uh, Quentin just because his name is Cool Hand Luca. And uh, I'm just I, I protest. I'm not a, I'm not super high on Luca, so I'm gonna go with Quinn just for that. Sorry, Quinn, you you won the uh, what was what was the question? The Royal Rumble. Uh, but this this, Rumble. this time you're gonna lose the fantasy basketball league. Uh, Fun story. My brother called Luka Doncic a bust and a half when he was drafted, and then he deleted the, and then he deleted the tweet when I when I asked about it. So uh, shout out to you, buddy. Oh I'm, I don't know if you listen, but shout out to you. Oh man! All right, let's move on from basketball to something even more important. Who wins in their prime, Mister Han or Mister Miyagi? I'm going for nostalgia purposes. Yes, Mister Miyagi. Yes, absolutely. He created the foundation of all Karate Kid. So I'm I'm going Mr. Miyagi. Yes, I I think that's the only answer um, available. Sorry, sorry, Mr. Han. We're going going old school. Um, lastly, how many days can you survive only eating seltzer waters and drinking Monster Rehabs? I don't think I've had either of these things, so uh, I'm gonna go with not super long, maybe a, a week or two. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why they said only eating. Yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah. By the way, whoever like you guys ask the most ridiculous questions sometimes. Like this is the same person who keeps like asking these questions. Like it's like these two people. They ask the best but weirdest questions possible. Um, yeah, I think it like accelerates or like your. I think it probably decreases your living span by quite a bit, <laughs> even if you're just to consume these regularly. So I don't know, like what two days two days, days wow maybe? i i maybe maybe a, i i mean you can what live off of water for a month or something so i don't think this is water yeah but, but there's got to be some water in there right <laughs> maybe well seltzer water yeah probably okay yeah maybe we'll extend that to like six days okay I there don't you go feel confident about that. <laughs> yeah we're, we're putting on our scientist hats here we're gonna go with a very uh, accurate six days you can you can book it 
Um, but yeah, Garrett, I think that's the last of the mailbag questions. We appreciate you guys sending those in. And I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Blue Oval podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you guys keep uh, looking at the site. We got plenty of conference previews coming up. I'm sure John has a bunch of D2 content coming up as well, recapping the D2 conference meets. Um, what else do you uh, have them? What else do you want them to look for, Garrett, this weekend? Oh, man, we've got so much coming up. Uh, updated rankings. Uh, you know, the TSR writers actually did a fantasy draft for the postseason where we chose some of our. Uh, favorite teams and we kind of went through that so we're going to be having that up hopefully i think the idea is monday and tuesday um going to be doing that some uh, we have so many conference previews i i'm so overwhelmed with how many previews we're going to have um so i'm excited about that i'm trying to think about what else we might have a few more commit articles some interviews coming your way uh we're going to have the recruits database updated um, there's more cost projections coming following conference weekend. Dude, I'm, I'm amped. There's going to be so much content on the site in the next week or two. Yeah. And make sure you guys look at that fantasy draft that we all did just so that you can tweet at the rest of the writers that I schooled them and had by far the best teams. I think you guys will agree with me when you see it um i'm gonna cut this part out of the audio yeah 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 well hey you can we i'll i'll pick it back out once i win and just do a victory lap um but yeah garrett i think this is a great episode um i hope you guys continue to rate and review on apple Podcasts. make sure you listen to the podcast wherever you uh listen to your podcast apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud thestridereport.com Um, Keep the questions rolling in, um, and we'll be ready to hit the postseason. We'll hopefully get into postseason form for you guys on the podcast as the rest of the runners hit their postseason form. But until next week, Garrett, I'll talk to you. See you then.